What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. It feels good to be back on the mic. Today is not a Q&A like normal Fridays. Today we have another interview with my man AJ Roberts. And the reason is, is because I had a baby. <laughs> Last episode, I was interviewing Josiah Novak and we were talking a lot about fatherhood. Nice mentioned in the interview, by the time you guys hear this podcast, my baby might be here. So quick little story, which is pretty crazy. We had a due date of March 12th, so I figured for sure I'll be able to record the podcast on Friday to get it out for a Q&A at Friday, because I always do it a week in advance, so no big deal. But months and months and months ago, I, I looked at Shannon, my fiance, and I told her, I think it's going to come on March 7th. And she was like, why? My due date's on the 12th. I'm like, why the 7th? And it's not my lucky number, nothing. I was like, I don't know. I got this weird feeling. It's going to be on the 7th on a Wednesday. She's like, okay, whatever. Sure enough, and this is crazy. We went to the doctor on Tuesday. Right? We go to the doctor on Tuesday, and the doctor isn't like, oh, you're going to pop out a baby tomorrow. Like, you should probably head to the hospital or anything. It was just like, okay, well, you know, I'll see you next week. We'll see how things are going. If you're ready on your due date, if you're not, no worries. You know, plain and simple. So we're not tripping about it. We're no worries at all. We have plenty of time to prepare. We already had a bag ready, but, you know, like we weren't rushing anything. Sure enough, Wednesday morning, I'm downstairs doing some work. I'm on a coaching call with a client. And uh, as soon as I hang up the phone, I get a text that says, come upstairs. She was ready. We ran to the hospital, had the baby that day, March 7th, and I knew it. And we were on the way to the hospital. I looked at her. I was like, what's today? And she was like, oh, yeah, shut up. Hilarious. It's crazy. I'm a wizard when it comes to this stuff for some reason. And then, get this, we get to the hospital, um, and we're talking to everybody, and they're like, okay, well, if you're so good, when's it going to come? We're there in the morning, mind you. I was like, 8 p.m., and the doctor laughs, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, like, first-time pregnancy takes a while. I mean, you might not be out of here that quick. She's not having any, like, crazy, crazy contractions yet. Like, you got some time, man. And I was like, 8 p.m., just watch. 8.22 p.m., baby Blakely May was born. And now I will forever be known as the baby wizard because I know when this shit has happened. But long story short, I have been taking all week off. Today is uh, Thursday the 15th, so I'm recording this intro the day before you are listening to this episode um, and this is my first day back at work. I've been spending every single moment as much as possible. Um, some marketing stuff is going out, so I'm sure if you guys follow me on Instagram and Facebook, stuff, you'll see some posts because those are, those are created in advance. But uh, I've been spending as much time just adjusting and enjoying fatherhood, and it's, it's been a journey, and it's been, an, it's been amazing. The baby is super healthy, beautiful, and it's just it's an unbelievable feeling. Um, and what's crazy is uh, A.J. Roberts is about to have a kid, too, right around the same time that I just had my baby. And we talk a little bit about that in this episode as well. Um, but all I can say is, man, like I had the utmost respect and honor and just appreciation for Shannon going through pregnancy for nine, ten months. But when they deliver a baby, it's a whole different thing. Like the amount of respect I have for that woman is unbelievable. It's indescribable. And just watching her love this baby is it's insane. Um, and I'm gonna get mushy on the podcast on you guys, but all I gotta say is any of the parents out there know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm going through that stage, and it's it's an unbelievable thing. Um, we're we're a little bit tired, but at the end of the day, it's so worth it, and it's just it's the most rewarding thing. And I'm I'm so happy. And the baby is the baby is beautiful. It's it's unbelievable. So Blakely May McBroom was born on March 7th, 2018. We're super happy, and uh, because of that, you guys get two interviews. So this interview is gonna be really really powerful. I'm actually really excited for you guys to hear this one because. A.J. Roberts is someone I've known for a really long time, and watching his journey has just been insane because he was a world record powerlifter. I mean, the dude is, was a monster. Look up A.J. Roberts in the powerlifting world. He, he trained with Louis Simmons and the West Side Barbell guys, so he, legendary, like literally world-renowned, most legendary 
powerlifters in the entire world, right? Louis Simmons is probably the most world-renowned coach of powerlifters, and he coached AJ. Um, and then AJ actually went into bodybuilding. He became a bodybuilder and crushed it. He looked phenomenal. He went into CrossFit as well. So he has literally done everything. But the crazy part is there's a very, very big spiritual, mental, and emotional attachment and journey throughout his whole process of who he's become from his relationships to his businesses to why he treated his body a certain way, why he was chasing these extreme goals. Um, I can't tell you how much I learned in this conversation with AJ, and I know that you guys are going to take away a lot too. There's a lot of gold nuggets when it comes to changing your mindset, looking for the positivity, and looking on how to change your flaws and looking at your flaws as lessons. Again, like this episode with AJ is extremely powerful, and he is someone that has been through so many different things. So the fact that we get to listen to his takeaways and learn from them so we can avoid his mistakes and improve what he worked so hard and so long to improve on is, is a blessing in itself. So with that being said, I think you guys are really going to enjoy that. Now, before we get to the show, I do want to give a quick shout out to one of my sponsors, Reebok One. As you guys know, that is the only gear I rock. I like some other gears. I'm not going to name any brands, but Reebok is the shit. Reebok is my brand, um, and I got to give them a shout-out because they hook it up, and they have the best training gear. Like, literally, when we talk training, like, I'm, I'm a guy who loves fashion, so I love everything, man. I wear Nike. I wear Adidas. I wear Reebok. I wear uh, – I have some New Balances. I got all kinds of shit, skateboard clothes. I love fashion, and I love – different clothing, but when I'm in the gym, I literally only wear Reebok, um, and I cannot tell you enough how comfortable the shoes are. Shit, like the Nano 8s with the gum sole is what I'm rocking for the gym right now, and literally, they're the most comfortable training shoes I've ever worn in my life. Like, no bullshit. Um, they're all I wear every single day to the gym, uh, but same thing with everything, like my leggings, my shorts, my shirts, the hoodies, hats, like I can't say enough about Reebok, um, and the cool thing about them is I feel like they came out of nowhere and just destroyed the training industry. When, it, when CrossFit really hit the stage, I feel like Reebok really broke out, and they were really smart by taking over and consuming and just kind of niching themselves in the CrossFit community, but um, I got to give it to them because their product stepped up quite a bit when they did that. So go check out ReeboqOne.com. Um, if you are a trainer, you can actually get a huge discount. I think it's like 30% um, for life. Like, Go check them out. Get your discount. Try out the training gear. Let me know what your favorite kicks are. Let me know what your favorite shorts are, whatever it may be. Um, try out the Nano 8s. That's what I'm rocking right now. Without any further ado, let's get on to this amazing and super powerful interview with AJ Roberts. I listened to the podcast with Jay and that's how this obviously got brought up. I had never heard not just you, but anybody really open up about not only like the demons you kind of fought, but just do just entrepreneurship in general and kind of like the dark side of it. Like, I think a lot of people paint this picture of like, it's like you can just travel and do whatever the fuck you want all the time. And there's a lot of stress that's involved with it in you touching on relationships and, and just the different battles you've fought personally, like, really uh, spoke to me. And so I was like, man, I really want to get him on the show and talk about that stuff in general. So like, first and foremost, let's talk about who you are. So why don't you like, just for the people who don't know who AJ Roberts is, who is AJ Roberts? Well, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. Cause in the past I would have said, you know, I'm a powerlifter or, uh, you know, I'm a business coach. And I realized like none of that defines you, right? Those are, those are accomplishments and those are things, but I think that that's one of the, the biggest downfalls we do in general is when someone says, well, who are you? We say, I'm this, I'm that. And these are just pieces of who you are. It's not your identity, right? So 
ultimately, you know, I'm soon to be a father and I'm a husband and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, more than anything, a mentor and coach. So, um, those are the kind of the roles that I play right now. Um, but it's been an interesting journey to get there because, you know, I think a lot of us identify ourselves as a certain thing, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a, you know, for me, a powerlifter, a bodybuilder, a CrossFit athlete, like all these different things. And you realize that those are just, you know, pieces of, uh, that make up the whole. So, um, that's a great question to kick it off. And, you know, hopefully that kind of, you know, people listening, <laughs> they keep listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, dude, that's actually, it's funny. That kind of leads me into the next thing. Cause I, I knew I had a feeling how you were going to answer that. And I wanted to ask you like, how did you stop identifying yourself as a world record powerlifter? Because I mean, dude, that ran your life essentially, right? Like that was all you did. And I mean, you were part of Westside, which was a huge movement in that community. How did you, uh, or when did you decide like, man, this is not all I am. How did you branch away? Well, you know, the, 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 it, I never thought I would ever leave Westside. I remember actually there was a seminar going on and, and we were talking, me and Lou were talking on one of the breaks and there's a lot of people who come and go at Westside, right? And, and, and uh, who don't, they kind of quit. They, you know, a lot of them quit. And um, I remember looking at Lou, someone had just left the gym. I can't even remember who it was, but I remember saying, you know, I don't, I don't get these people, man. Like, you know, I'm going to, like, I'm going to, I'd rather die doing this than, you know, do anything else. And, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years and I'd broken the world record. It was about a year after I broken the world record. And um, I was chasing that 1200 pound squat. It was like the last kind of goal that I had set that I had not reached in the powerlifting world. And I remember going into the meet and it was the strongest I'd ever been, but also the most scared that I was going to die I'd ever been. And so after that meet, I knew that I was done. I knew that I was going to walk away and, and um, I knew that I had to leave Westside. Otherwise, I would never be able to get, you know, let go of that. So I came out to California and, um, you know, I was doing powerlifting seminars still for Louie, traveling all over the world, working with CrossFit, you know, going into gyms and, and doing that. But I was going through this personal you know, journey to get healthy, to, to lose the weight, to, to figure out who I was. Um, and so really it was just this, it was this uh, shedding of the skin, so to speak. And as I went through it, it was, you know, realizing that, you know, who I was is not who I am. And it led me to like, for a while, having to just completely separate myself from anything to do with powerlifting. And it's kind of like an addiction, right? When you're addicted to something, you're addicted to, to a feeling or to an emotion or to whatever that, that drug of choice does. And for me, that drug of choice was being strong. So in the past, when I was powerlifting, I always knew I needed to get in shape. I knew I needed to be healthier. But anytime I tried it, my strength went down, you know, I would end up going to McDonald's, eating, you know, 10 cheeseburgers and, you know, going back to the gym. So like that, because I was having to, you know, because I was following this new journey of, of shedding that weight, as I was shedding the weight, I was also shedding the identity of a powerlifter because I literally, if I tried to squat or bench, like I was such a shadow of my former self that it was emotionally, you know, it was, it was devastating because, you know, load the bar up and I couldn't lift what I used to, you know, be able to wrap out. Right. So I had to pull away from the sport as it, you know, the actual sport, but also the training, like training like that and do, you know, and really have that time of separation. And I think that that's tough for a lot of people. And then once I was able to come out the other side, you, you know, and, and learn, you know, what's important to me, you know, longevity uh, and, you know, happiness and those kind of things, I was able to reintroduce, you know, being around that community and, and actually giving back to it, um, you know, without the attachment of needing to be, you know, seen as, you know, oh, you're a beast now. You know, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. 
Um, and no one could ever take that away from me. Um, and I can always lean on that to help and inspire and, and teach and share with others. But I didn't have to be that person in order to be able to do that. Right? I didn't have to be the person who could squat 1,200 pounds. You know? And that was, that was a tough transition. I think a lot of people struggle with that um, because they, there's this you know, right or wrong. There is this concept out there that you, you, you know, if, if you're teaching and not doing, then, you know, who are you? Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you look at the greatest coaches in the world, you know, very few of them ever were the greatest athletes. And so there is there is a line that, you you know, obviously there is people out there who are charlatans who have no experience that are really taking advantage. Um, and maybe they don't even know it. Um, but ultimately, like there is there is there is a difference between um, doing and the knowing how to do. And like that, a lot of people think that has to happen simultaneously. Um, and I don't necessarily think it does. I think if you have experience and you've learned and then you're coaching other people and, and, they're, and they're getting results, you know, then, then you're more than qualified to continue on. And so it was really just continuously looking at anytime I was getting pulled back in, what was that? You know, why was the competition, like, why was I wanting to be competitive again? Like, okay, what, what, def- what does that do? How does that define me? Like, what, you know, how does it keep me back? And, and, you know, look in the direction I want to go in my life. And then every time I went into that competitive mindset, the direction I would go, it would pull me away from health, right? And even when I was bodybuilding, um, you know, I mentioned this on Jay's, but when I was bodybuilding, you know, to be the best powerlifter in the world, you know, I would do anything and take anything. But I never took the amount of steroids I took than when I was bodybuilding, you know? And I, and, and I put my trust in, obviously, a professional who, who knows what they're doing, um, but it's just drug on top of drug to counteract this and do this and do that. And I always say, it's funny, when I stepped on that bodybuilding stage, it was probably about a $25,000 body, right? <laughs> um, and so, like, when you go that, like, you get to the point, like, what am I doing, right? Like, this isn't health. Like, okay, yeah, I'm ripped, I'm shredded, you know, veins are popping out everywhere, and people are, you know, getting all this social boost that, yeah, this is an amazing accomplishment, but, you know, what am I doing? Like, I, I, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum now. You know, go being from overweight and, and, and unhealthy to being shredded and unhealthy. Like it's not a sustainable way of living. And so really just kind of, kind of coming back to center and just grounding and say, okay, like what do I want in my life? You know, what, you know and, and it's, not, it's not about you know, being known for this or known for that, right? It's about having experiences and building relationships. And so like I'll still get caught up in competitive stuff, right? And wanting to be a competitor. And I have to bring myself back and say, okay, that, that for me, personally, I'm such an extremist. It's an unhealthy relationship. Competition is my drug. And anytime you do anything to the extreme and right. too much too often, it's unhealthy, you know, because you sacrifice relationships, you sacrifice your body, you sacrifice your happiness because you're chasing something like, you know, at the end of the rainbow, there's a pot of gold, but there's never the pot of gold. There's just another rainbow to, to you know, or another mountain to climb as I often say. So that's really kind of, you know, it's this ongoing journey of stripping that away, but digging deeper. Like, where does that come from? Why, why am I competitive? What feeling did it give me? And when was that first formed? You know, what age did I first get that addiction where it was like, this is the high, you know? And then, you know, once you become a world record holder, it's like anything, how, how do you top that high? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. like, and so that's kind of the, the realization is like, you know, it's same for like extreme athletes and you see them doing more and more crazy stuff. It's why the sport evolves. But ultimately, you know, a guy like Dave Mira, who growing up, one of the best BMX riders I'd ever seen, you know, 
commit, ended up committing suicide. And it's because, in my opinion, I don't know, I don't know the family, but it's because once you've been at the top, once you've been the very best, once you've experienced all of that, you, you, if you're chasing that high, you'll never reach it. You just can't. And so really that was about, okay, treating like, man, this isn't working, right? Admitting right. that it was fucked up and, and being like, okay, like it makes sense in my mind, but it doesn't lead me to happiness. So maybe I need to try something different. And that's really what it was. It was just, you know, the simple question, am I happy or am I not? And if I'm not happy, it's actually a choice moment. So why do I keep doing the thing that makes me unhappy? You know, and that's what the revelation was around powerlifting was powerlifting is making me unhappy because to be who I am, I have to be 320 plus pounds pumping my body through full of drugs, training to the extreme. You know, there is only one direction I'm going to go here, injury or death. That was riding yeah. on the wall. So, you know, it was that moment of something has to change. How did you how did you become okay with not being at the top? Because I think there's a lot of people listening to this that chase extremes. And you obviously did. I mean, you went from powerlifting to bodybuilding to CrossFit. It was always that extreme mentality of trying to essentially go all in. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. And I've struggled with that in fitness and in business and life and everything. But trying to find that balance and, and know that like, just because you're not always up here, it's okay. And I'm happy. Like, how did you find that? Or like, I guess, just let yourself know that it's okay to not be at that top point. You know, I think it's funny because you oftentimes like with, with wealth, you hear the rags to riches story, right? Mm -hmm. They lose everything. So for me, it was a little different in the sense that I honestly thought I was going to die. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, oh, I could die. Like it, it was, I'm going to die. Like, and you know, I had a, a friend close to me who was a strong man. He passed away, had another friend who had a stroke. You know, so there, so it wasn't like a, it wasn't like it just a thought. Like shit was happening around me that was real. Right. And uh, I had severe sleep apnea. You know, I, I would in the middle of the night, I'd wake up. I, I don't know how long I'd not been breathing for. I'd be gasping for air. I'd run over to the sink, splash my face to try to breathe. So then I was, you know, not sleeping. So I was becoming super paranoid because ultimately, like, I didn't want to go to sleep because I thought I was going to die. And so it just got to a point that, uh, you know, I was honestly going into the meet to squat twelve hundred. I knew I was strong enough to do it, but um, my partner at the time, I remember telling her, I was like, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to die, right? So then when I accomplished it, it was like, okay, you've walked that tightrope, like, get out. Like, it was, it, you know, the, the, there was that other voice saying, like, get out now. Like, you know, like, you know what's going to happen. And that intuition takes over. The body knows, like, it can't sustain it. And so, you know, I think it's one of those things where, well, what was left? You know, there was, for me, you know, what was left would have been try to become, uh, you know, try to take that world, the, the, the all-time world record at any weight class, right? So I'd have had to push my body weight up probably to around 350, to, to total 3,000 plus pounds. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, I, w I wouldn't be the first guy to do that. Someone else had already done that. And, and it's kind of like the four-minute mile. Nobody really knows. You know, now if you don't run a four-minute mile, you're not a good runner. But, you know, everyone remembers the first guy to do it. No one remembers the second guy. Yeah. Right? So because I wasn't really going to be breaking a barrier that, like, I thought would immortalize me in the strength world, and because I was going to have to push my weight even more, all of a sudden I just knew that, knew that it wasn't the right thing. And so I remember going to breakfast specifically the day after I squatted 1,200, um, and Louis was talking about me pushing my weight up and, and going for that 3,000. 
I remember that was the first time in my entire career that I thought my coach was absolutely nuts. <laughs> I, I just like, and so the moment that fear, that doubt entered my mind and I didn't believe I could do it anymore, I knew that it was time to pull the plug. Uh, and up until that point, I always had that belief, you know? And, uh, and so it was, it, was a, it was a very defining moment where I just knew, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And it wasn't, it wasn't okay, okay, ripcord, I'm going to get out. But one thing I, you know, I did was, uh, you know, uh, probably three or four months after I made that decision, that's when I knew I had to leave the gym. And Louis said, you can stay here, you can train. But it was like, if I'm going to be here, you know, I'm going to have to be this person. And so I've got to pull myself out of the environment. And I think that that's one of the hardest things people go through is you literally, I mean, I'm still friends with the guys I train with, not the way I was. Um, but you have to be willing to give all of that up, right? And it's such a hard decision because like truly that place taught me so many life lessons. You know, Louis became like a father to me. My training partners were family, you know, and I, and I essentially had to walk away from all of them. But I had to do it because otherwise I wouldn't be here, you know? And yeah. I think that that, at the same, like it's the most selfish, selfish thing I could have done at the time. But long term, it's the most selfless thing because now, you know, I'm about to be a father, as are you. Um, you know, I'm doing bigger things in the world. Um, and so, you know, I look at it like if I was no longer here, I wouldn't be doing that, you know? And, and uh, my, my dash, my time on this earth, you know, may have ended too short. So, you know, I think you always justify it to yourself, right? You know? Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it was just one of those things where, uh, I just knew there was something greater for me and I had to trust that intuition. Um, and I'd ignored it for a long time. And it's kind of like an injury, right? If it's nagging and you ignore it, eventually something bad happens. That was how I was beginning to feel. Okay. So, and then obviously this led down the path to bodybuilding and cross all this stuff. At what point did wake up warrior come into play? Cause I know you went down the self-development, I guess you could say personal development path. Did somebody, yeah. kind of push you towards that because they saw you chasing extreme after extreme like this? Or was there a point in your life where you saw it and you were like, okay, fuck, I need to do this? So it's interesting. So obviously, I, after powerlifting, I just wanted to get healthy, right? And I remember um, being- And then a, you became a bodybuilder. Right. So I was at a baseball game with uh, Dave Castro, who's the head of the CrossFit Games. And, um, and uh, you know, his wife says to me, hey, you know, what are you doing to get in shape? Cause they, you know, I was working with them. They knew that I retired from powerlifting and, you know, I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, working out doing lots of cardio. And uh, she was like, you have a thing about doing CrossFit? And I was like, mm, no, like, you know, <laughs> and she was like, she was like, I was like, maybe one day, like once I'm in shape and she kind of ripped into me and said, you know, CrossFit's a, you know, the best way to get in shape and you should just do it. And so looked up a couple of guys, started training with them. But of course that competitive bug was still there. I hadn't really identified that at the time. So, you know, instead of just doing a regular class, you know, an hour class, I'm training two, three hours a day during CrossFit. <laughs> um, end up doing, doing the CrossFit Open and, um, you know, just from being an idiot, um, you know, went in, the, done some tough workouts for the Open, went into the gym and tried to jump in with the powerlifters training and, and ended up t tearing my pec. So I said, oh, you know, this is, a, I, you know, so that put me out of doing CrossFit, but I was like, well, you know, what can I do? And so I just started doing a little bit of bodybuilding because, you know, maybe, maybe I can lose the weight doing the bodybuilding. That took me into the bodybuilding. I did my first contest, and um, you know the, the head judge, who was an IFBB pro and in charge, he came up to me. He said, "Man, you got perfect symmetry. It was like two to three years, you could be a pro, right? Competitive juices get going. Now <laughs> I'm like 290 pounds again, like you know, eating like 10 meals a day. I remember just putting a fork in my mouth and just, well, what are you doing? Like you, you're going to kill yourself. So essentially, I stopped cold turkey, right? I was like, I'm done. 
and um, you know, stop taking everything. And, and I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna let my body clean out. I'm gonna be healthy. I'm gonna be this. And so, you know, 18 months later, and I, I didn't even even connect the dots at the time. But looking back, 18 months later, all my hormones had crashed. My adrenals, my thyroid, uh, everything is is messed up because essentially I've been masking any issue I had for the last, you know. Uh, 12, 13 years, I'd been masking because I'd been taking, you know, supplements and substances. So here I am and I'm like, you know, I'm watching Netflix. Like I never watched TV before. I'm watching like episode, like episode after episode of Netflix. I have no energy. I have no motivation to do anything. I'm just thinking to myself, man, I'm a worthless human being. Right? It's literally just like, you know, and looking back, a lot of it was uh, obviously chemical. A lot of it was hormonal. So right. like, you know, they, you know, those are the kind, but you don't realize that at the time, right? Like at the time you just feel like a piece of shit. So, um, I got, I went to dinner with Steve Krebs and, you know, I'd seen Steve, I'd seen Luca, I'd seen, uh, Paul Mort, a bunch of other guys I knew had gone through warrior, but what was interesting me and Garrett were actually, uh, in a mastermind together when he birthed warrior. And I remember I was one of the first guys to see what he was doing. Uh, he asked me to review his, uh, sales funnels and I tore it apart. I thought it was the stupidest fucking thing I'd ever seen. Um, and, you know, he'd it'd been going for about three years, you know, before I, before I ended up on the beaches of Laguna. But I remember watching him and the transition he went through. And there was a turning point in Warrior. I think he had gone to uh, Seal Fit, Kokora. And all of a sudden, Warrior shifted. Um, and, and it became something I was paying attention to. But, you know, I'd been asked about it. And I was like, yeah, it's cool, it's, but it's militant. And, you know, eh, it's not really my thing. And I don't need that. But of course, as Warrior is growing, AJ is, you know, getting into a worse and worse headspace. And so, uh, you know, I had dinner with Steve and, you know, he said, man, I think you should look into this, you know. And so I went and watched the, the documentary and just, it just at that moment in my life, it spoke to me. And I'd done a lot of personal development before this, um, which was, you know, even weirder to be in this really low place because, you know, I would have before that prided myself. I think I, I even did an interview with Garrett on Wake Up Warrior after I did the bodybuilding um, you know, for his tribe before I was ever involved in it. Um, but all of a sudden I was, you know, I was like, man, like I need this. And so, you know, that led to a, about a, you know, almost two years involvement, uh, with the warrior, but what it, more than anything, the, my, my biggest thing was, was being surrounded by other guys who were like me. Right. And, and realizing that I wasn't alone. And that, that I that there was just as many crazy motherfuckers out there. There's just as many people who thought like I, who had the same demons, who were battling the same things. And that's one of the thing about success. You know, they always say success leaves clues. Well, so does pain, sorrow, misery, guilt, shame. That shit leaves clues too. Um, and so you know, there was guys in there who were making a hundred million a year. And I said, you know, I want to be around these guys. I want to see how they operate. I want to see, you know, because I had been divorced. You know, I had an engagement that broken up. I was in a new relationship and now obviously we're married and we have kids, but I didn't want that to continue. You know, like I've been making these mistakes when I looked at it, you know, broke a world record, then got divorced, did a bodybuilding show that my engagement crushed. Right. Um, and, and you know, my business commitments, I've been creating businesses, making shitloads of money and they're just walking away. You know, I'd done it over and over. I said, look at my life over a three to four period. I was running these cycles, running these cycles. And so I just knew I had to look, look, look in a different uh, thing. And I respected Garrett, respected the guys that had gone through the program. Um, and so I said, you know, it, for a little bit, there was ego involved because, you know, at one point I was, you know, in a program with Garrett, you know, consulting him on his stuff. And now I was turning for him to be my coach. 
Um, but one of the greatest lessons I've learned over the last few years is that everybody is a mentor and everybody's a mentee. Like you can teach and you can learn from everybody. Um, and since I've opened my eyes to that, my world has completely changed because there's always the ability to learn uh, from someone and it just makes, makes everything fun because, you know, you, you look at it and this relationship is, okay, I'm giving, but what am I getting too? And so it's a, you know, it's give and take versus a lot of times before that, I always looked at the world as very draining and people always taken from me and I had a very negative look. So it shifted a lot, but ultimately it just came from a place, you know, everything crashed and it had to, it had to, you know, that was, I think everybody has their bottom, right? And, and it was weird because I'd never felt like that. You know, I'd always been successful. I'd always been a good athlete. I've always, you know, it, it was, uh, I remember uh, Travis Jones at the original Change the Game, you know, he introduces me, everything he touched turns to gold, you know? <laughs> and uh, it, it wasn't, you know, that's not true, but, um, you know, the illusion was there. And I yeah. bought into that. And so I had to be stripped of all of that and, 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 you know, basically brought back to, you know, who am I at the core and really get in touch with that. Um, and, you know, that was, that was something that I, I was able to do from coming from that place. So I think that the cool thing about Wake Up Warrior, and I mean, I worked with Steve the entire year last year. So I was involved with a lot of that. I went to Wake Up Warrior, uh, the Warrior Con and stuff like that. So I think the most powerful things for me is like, I mean, obviously my business, doubled or tripled last year from all the stuff we did but we didn't touch marketing much right it was so much personal um relationship oriented stuff meditation all these different things that carried over into other aspects of my life that i learned so much from what were the biggest takeaways or the things that you still to this day are applying that have nothing to do with business that are helping you grow in that realm yeah I, you know and i was aware of this um before i went into warrior just but just the. Uh, the, the, the threads, right? You know, everything is connected and there's, there's, yeah. there's no other way to put it. But one of the things that I think Warrior gave me more than anything was the understanding of the importance of focus, right? And if you're going to just go focus on the business, then the other stuff's going to crumble. If you're going to focus on your relationship, then, you know, and then and, and, and truly, you know, as, uh, you know, Louis would say, and it's funny drawing a lesson from this, you know, to say, but Louis would say, you know, how big's a pyramid? You know, he'd ask you, how big is the pyramid? And people look at it and like, what? They say, as big as the vice, right? But if you look at it, right, in, in your life, and, um, you know, a, a lady I'm working with, uh, Mariah Sivers, uh, we're working on some really cool stuff together. But she drew, actually, we were on the beach the other day. She drew this, she drew a triangle out on the beach and, you know, put a dot in the middle and talked about the peak. And she says, you know, if you try to build one thing up, right, and it pulls the side, eventually the other sides crash. You know, and if you pull it up from the middle and everything grows, now you have kind of, you know, you have a stable foundation, your stable base. So you can't focus on one area and expect the other areas not to be affected. And so I think that in our lifetime, we acquire knowledge in certain areas and we're pulled into areas that we're maybe lacking. So people who are really good in relationships or really good spiritual, eventually they end up investing in business coaching, right? Because they're saying, Hey, I got all this knowledge. I got all this awareness, but I'm not making money. Okay. I better go learn about finances, learn about things. I might go to millionaire mind or, you know, get into that. But, but people who are focused over on money, they learn all the marketing, they learn that and they can't get themselves to take action. Oh, well, you know, my wife, I don't treat her very good or my partner, you know, my relationship, uh, with, with a higher being is, is missing, you know, and that, that's a missing, there's a void and I feel this void and I need to connect, you know, and so you get pulled to these different things. And I think that the, the cool thing with what Garrett's done with Warrior is he's, you know, he's not focused on one area, right? He, he makes you understand the importance of all those areas. 
And so even if you want to ignore him and don't listen to him, you know, whatever, you know, a lot of people like don't like the packaging, right? They don't like the, more than anything, what he does is he, he makes you look into those other areas, right? He shines a light on the, the corners that you've been ignoring. And I think that that's what makes, you know, the, the, him a great coach. I think the system's successful. Um, but it's what I really, you know, I've been investing in this or that or, you know, business this, you know. And it's like you can't, you can't just focus on one thing. And it, honestly, when I, you know, it's like powerlifting. I focused on three things, squat, bench, and deadlift. Made me a world champion. But it also made me 320 pounds, you know, high blood pressure, high heart rate, you know, ex- extremely sick. So, you know, it's the same business. You can focus on that, but the other areas get sick, right? Yeah. So you got to have that, that uh, dare I say, holistic approach. You got to have a well-rounded approach. And Warrior made me realize that. I'd heard it, but I truly got it when I, when I started seeing other people living it. I said, ah, that's, that's what it means. It's not about balance, right? You hear this word balance, and people think it's eat. It's not about balance. It's about investment. It's about equal investment, um, not necessarily time, right? Time's an illusion. So people think balance. They think, you know, I got to spend four hours on my body, four hours on business, four hours with my wife. You know, like it doesn't work like that. But it's about, you know, qu- quantity over quality. Sorry, quality over quantity. Right, right. All right. And, it, and, it's, and, it's, a, and it's about finding that equal investment in those areas that is going to bring the, the, the ROI that you're seeking. I like, I like the way you put that, man, because I think a lot of people, like you said, they focus so much on time. And I always, I even go to that direction because when you think balance, that's, that's just what you think. But at the end of the day, it's impossible. Like you cannot perfectly balance everything. So just knowing that you have to invest in every category and that's the only way everything's going to stand tall. Like I always look at it as like a building with four pillars, right? As soon as one pillar is, is screwed up, the building's going to crumble. Like, right. and you have to remember that. I'm curious of like, I think that the only way you will learn how to succeed is if you fail. Obviously, it's just like getting up. You can't get up if you've never fallen. And you've had two uh, relationships that didn't obviously work out um, while attacking these different sports, attacking these different businesses. And, and I've talked to Steve Krebs about this a lot. Like it's kind of that build and burn mentality. Like you build something up and then you purposely sabotage to burn it so you can recreate it because you're chasing that like high of creating right um what have you learned in that process and how has that helped your relationship um with your um, new wife and obviously soon to be a mother of your child like how much has that applied because as as horrible it is as it is that those relationships didn't work out i'm assuming they made this one that much better yeah oh absolutely and, and more than anything just me as a human i you know forced to change and, and not, not everybody does but what well, there's a couple of things first of all i didn't really understand the meaning of commitment Right. I, and I want to say that first because I, th- I, I think that the only thing that makes anyone successful in anything is commitment. Right. And so, you know, with lifting, I dedicated over a decade to get to the world record. You know, and there was nothing and nobody to get my way. I was willing to sacrifice everything. Could ever say the same about my relationship. You know, like I, I wasn't willing to, to walk through all of that shit. You know, it was, you know, oh, she doesn't love me or, oh, she's not there for me. And it was always, you know, I never believed anyone could love me the way I love them. And, and, but it truly it just came down more to a commitment. I wasn't committed to them through thick and thin. You know, I could say it, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't believe it, you know, and it wasn't, the, it wasn't something that I was willing to go for war for. It wasn't something I was willing to fight for. Um, so that was the first thing I realized. And I actually read the book uh, Truth um, uh, by Neil Strauss. Yeah, Neil wrote, everyone talks about the game, which is his book, 
uh, one of his early books that he kind of catapulted him to fame in the marketing world, um, you know, as an example of a great book to, to study, like, you know, in seduction and stuff like that. But the book, The Truth, is really about his journey of how he went from essentially cheating and, and being in open relationships, being, you know, polygamous and being all these different things where, you know, to, you know, being in love and being able to have a child with, with a woman he was in love with in the beginning that he, you know, he cheated on. And so when I read that book, I realized, man, that's me. You know, like I'm bouncing from these businesses. I'm bouncing from these women. I'm bouncing, you know, all these different things. I, you know, I'd lived in, you know, seven, eight states. It's, you know, man, I got a commitment issue here. So that was a big thing that I had to wake up to. Um, and then more than anything, and I mentioned this um, before, but I realized that I couldn't love someone else fully until I could love myself. I couldn't receive their love until I felt like, you know, until I loved myself because I wouldn't feel worthy of it. So, you know, they could tell me, they could do all these things, but I wouldn't believe it, right? And so it wasn't until I started going on that internal search, right? And figuring out myself and spending more time alone with my thoughts in meditation, in journaling, studying, um, that I began to understand myself. And so essentially, uh, you know, most people have coaches. Coaches are there to help you move forward in life. But very few people have therapists, right? Therapists there to figure out what the shit that went on in the past. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing self-therapy, essentially is the easiest way to put it. I started looking, why do I think these things? Why do I act this way? You know? And one of the things I learned is, I'm not the only one like this. There's all the, all the shits out there. So, you know, I would used to be very, very angry, right? How, how do I stop being angry, you know? Well, here, here's, here's an article on this. Here's a book on that. And it just, you, you just pick away. You pick away, you chisel away at the character. And you just keep finding the next flaw in the character. And what's beautiful about it is you start to realize these aren't really flaws. Like your failures aren't really failures. They're lessons, right? They shape who you are. Your flaws shape who you are, but you do have control over it. And, you know, you can begin to see it for what it truly is. And you can start to really work on the things that are causing that. Why do I get angry all the time? Well, this is a learned response. That's a learned response. So if I learn how to do this, how do I unlearn it and replace it with a new response, right? And, um, you know, that kind of ultimately begins to change the way you have a relationship. Because now, like before, and my wife has, like, I have to give my wife a bunch of credit because she was a really solid person. So she wouldn't put up with my shit, right? <laughs> so it was like, you know, yeah. I knew I had shit, but she would just shine a big, you know, you know, big ass light on it. You know, I'd get upset or angry about saying, I don't know what your issue is. Like, it's got nothing to do with me. So I'm going to go chill and you can come talk to me when you're over or whatever this is. I'm just not going to do it. And I would say stuff like, well, if you don't argue with me, that means you don't love me. And she'd be like, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But when someone doesn't play into that, right? alpha you get all beat your chest and when the other person doesn't beat their chest back yeah you're kind of left there going like what yeah so you gotta question it you gotta question it and so through the questions i started to see oh why do i think arguing means love you know well because i grew up in a in a household my parents argued now my parents are completely different people now right and and they're an amazing example of commitment but like i grew up when i was young they were young and they argued and so I just, it, relationships, you would argue. So this is, I learned this from my parents. Oh, like, you know, does it make me feel good? No. What am I trying to accomplish here? Control, you know? 
These are all low level, you know, operating systems. Okay. How do I want to be? How do I want to show up? What do I truly want? You know, I want fun. I want play. I want happiness. Well, if I want that, why am I screaming at this person? You know? Okay. So I'm not going to stop going from zero to a hundred, but how do I recognize it and come back down to zero really fucking quick? Right. And that to me has resulted in pause, space, time, you know, and allowing yourself to process. You're not going to stop getting angry. Maybe one day I will. Maybe one day I'll be able to feel that emotion. You know, and in some instances I can, like I know what's going to upset me or I know if I'm tired, probably don't, you know, like, so you can spot and stop yourself from kind of having a meltdown, but you still get the feelings. You're still going to, still, something's going to happen. It's not like you neutralize everything and you're just walking through the world like you're on Prozac. Like, it, but, but it's about when that stuff happens, stepping back and analyzing. And I think that's what nobody does. Yeah. You know, you're going to lose your shit. You're going to fuck up. You're going to screw up, right? But step back and analyze it. And, you know, this is something me and my wife do a lot. Whenever we get off track, we talk through and we say, well, what's really going on here? And we, we get to the root of the problem versus just trying to bandage everything. And so in terms of relationships, that's what's made the biggest difference is really me working on me so I can show up differently, which allows them to show up differently. I and, think that, you know, I think rewiring it is like, that's probably step two, right? Like I think, uh, like you said, like you have to learn what the, what you're doing. That's the issue first. And then you can decide how you can react differently, respond differently. How did you go about, like, do you have, I mean, besides therapy, like what kind of tips can people take away that is going to allow them to, I guess, become more self-aware, right? Like when I first read the book, um, loving what is, that's when I really started kind of clicking with things and understanding that you can stop before you react and and choose your response. And I learned more about self-love and I realized how important those things are. I mean, I'm, I think you probably read that book as well, but like what steps can you give people to start becoming more self-aware so they can actually start on the journey of rewiring themselves? Yeah. I think the easiest thing is just to, to write that stuff down. Right. And it's amazing what will come out when you put pen to paper but even just taking voice notes or just notes on your phone, like when something does happen, writing down what happened and then going, okay, what happened before this, you know, and just really starting to essentially analyze yourself, right. Is asking the question, you know, why did that happen? Um, and I think, and I think reflection is where the answers come from. You start to see the, the, the patterns, but a lot of people go through life, you know, and they never pay attention to any of that stuff. You know, they just bounce from one thing to the next and they, they never give it the thought in the world. And I think that, I think thinking is a, a skill that most people ignore, you know, creating time for themselves. And, you know, I'm a big fan of meditation. You, I know you meditate. Um, but like a lot of people, if they just went for a 30 minute walk in silence, didn't have an audio book on, weren't listening to a podcast, just silence, 30 minute walk, you know, and, and, and allow themselves to think, they would begin to get the downloads. You can't help it, right? Yeah. Humans, we're designed to grow, to evolve, to improve, right? It's in our DNA. So you just have to create the space to be able to do that. Um, and a lot of people don't like it because they don't like who they are. And there's so much noise that they have to, you know, they want it just to stop. But if you can lean into that, and it's kind of, it's the backwards thinking, right? You know, it's backwards thinking. Slow down, you know, go into the noise versus away from it. And then the silence is in the noise. You know, yeah. light is in the darkness. It's all backwards thinking. So that's really what I would recommend for people is just to give themselves some space and to reflect. I think journaling is one of the most powerful things people can do. And, you know, people will start and stop. But if you can put pen to paper and just let it all out, uh, you know, most of what you need comes out. You know, that's why you think therapy works because all they do is ask you questions and you just <laughs> ramble on, right? Yeah, so, yeah. 
I mean, that's ultimately what it is, just looking at what you want. And I think it's it's more simple. Like people usually want to hack, and that's why I'm glad you answered it that way because it's really simple. But I find that I know I went through this, but a lot of people probably avoid meditation, those quiet walks, float tanks, journaling, because they're almost like afraid of what's inside their head, right? And they don't want to be alone with themselves. Like, would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, when you start looking at it, it's scary. You start peeling the onion out back. And this, you know, it's funny because you look at self-help people and, and most of the people who, who get into self-help, you know, go, go deeper and deeper and deeper. And they spend so much money and people say, well, they, they hired this guy to fix them and they're more fucked up now than they were before. Well, that's because when you start peeling back the layers, you realize just how much work there is. Yeah. You know, and they, they always say, you know, what is it? Um, uh, stupidity is a blessing, right? Yeah. So, so like, I get it. Like, you know, when, when you walk around and your head's in the clouds and you don't see, you know, you don't see truth and you don't see things the way they are, like, you can have an illusion that life is great, right? But the reality is, is that there's, you know, inside there's a pulling for something better. You always know it and you could ignore it. But to me, that voice gets louder and louder and louder and louder until it just slaps you across the face. And I think it's why you hear people who they have almost, you know, deadly car crashes and then they turn the life around. You know, they build a business up and then they burn it down, like you say. And, and, and you know, you can only do that so many times before you have to stop, right? And so there's, there's, little, there's little clues, little clues, and they get louder and louder and louder. And so, you know, I think if people just paused and they look around, they would go, oh, you know, there's a lot here. And, you know, I, I mentioned on Jay's podcast I did recently, you know, the, to me, that's plant-based medicine is fantastic because you don't get to avoid that. It takes you right into the depths of the stuff that you consciously might try to avoid. Um, but for some people, that's too much too soon, you know. But honestly, I think for a lot of people, you know, you know, just start. I read something the other day. It's fantastic by Coach Steve Chandler. Um, and he said, you know, a lot of people talk about focusing on, you know, one day at a time. But all you got to focus on is one second, you know. Can they meditate for one second? Can I take one deep breath? You know, you'll be surprised how long you keep going if you just do that. You know, just I'm going to do it for a minute. You know, one minute turns into five, turns into 20. Before you know it, you know, your life has changed. So I think that's the biggest thing, you know, that, People know what they need to do, and it does. It is scary, right? But usually, fear is excitement in disguise. So you just got to go lean into it. I like that. Fear is excitement in disguise. Um, you brought it up, and I was gonna. I mean, that's the next place I was going, man. I want to talk ayahuasca if you can. I have a buddy who who wants to try it, and I'm like, dude, you're fucking insane. I can't imagine. Like, it, I think I, honestly, I think uh, Aubrey Marcus scared me out of it, hearing some of the shit that he <laughs> talked about. So I'm curious what brought you to that point where you were like, fuck it, I want to try this because it's the only way or is it, are you just that type of personality where you're so curious that you want to do these things? No, it's funny, you know, uh, even though I, you know, with the powerlifting, um, you know, I was pumping my body full of stuff and, and bodybuilding. Uh, when it came to like, like plant-based medicine, psychedelics, I always had like a very negative view, you know, I always thought marijuana was bad and you know, a lot of different thought processes, but as I began to realize that these were tools that people were using to, to kind of evolve consciousness, you know, being that I already meditated, I already did float tags and stuff like that. It just, it, it was like, okay, like, you know, what, what, what's to this, you know, there was a curiosity there. And so when I started looking into the research, very similar, actually, when I first started, uh, before I took steroids, I researched it for about eight months. And when I started looking in and realizing that, you know, hmm, there's not a lot of negatives with this in terms of, you know, what they say, 
right? The, 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 hyper, the hype that they build up. And it's kind of like with kids. They, you know, don't have sex, da-da-da-da-da, and you get a disease and you're going to die. And it's like <laughs> you have sex and you're like, this is fucking good, right? Like, <laughs> like what are they talking about, right? <laughs> so I realized with the plant-based medicine, very similar to surgeon, like the, you know, the health, they didn't want it to get banned. Right? And it was, a, it was a Reagan thing on war on drugs, and this is going to, you know, this is bad, and you know, we got to close this down. And um, I started looking, I'm like, man, there's a lot of research around the benefits of all this. And so, you know, I had uh, I, I did, um, I had done LSD before, um, and that was interesting. Um, was that and, for the same purpose? Like you might no, no, no. Okay. Um, Just for fun? Not for fun. <laughs> I, it was for like expand. Like I was stuck in business, and so someone said, "Hey, you know, we do this," and you know, and did. I got a lot of answers for business, um, and so you know that opened it. I'd done some mushrooms, and that was an interesting experience. Um, a lot of truth came through in, in the conversation from that, and so I'd done it, done some stuff, and um, you know, and um, so this this. I knew I wanted to do a, a deeper plant-based experience, and I actually was uh, me and Lu- uh, me and Luca were planning to go with Aubrey into the jungle. Well, then Aubrey got back and was like, "I'm not going again for like a year." I, I'm an, I, like, he basically was like, "No, we're not doing it." Right? So, me, I was like, "Okay." So it was on my radar, and then an opportunity came up. Um, and it just felt right, you know. It just it, it, it felt, but it's funny because, you know. It, it takes you to a place you can't even imagine. There's no control. So, you know, you go in, you can have all the intentions you want in the world. And when you have a good shaman, you know, they, they can re- they really help with that process. I don't think anyone really should do any, any plant-based medicine without a guide, you know. Um, but where you go is where you need to go. There's no question about it. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of the, the thing. And I just, you know, I had friends who had done it. And so, you know, I had heard their experiences and what they got out of it. And, you know, nobody really had a negative, you know, but it was interesting because everyone says the worst thing you ever do, but it's the best thing, you know? And I said, well, my whole life's been like that. So let's give it a shot. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's easier because I have, you know, I have more open mind to, to, to that stuff. And I understand the benefits and I understand the risks. It's like, you know, it's like anything, um, you know, most stuff's safe in moderation, you know, extremes, it's dangerous. So, you know, having all of that, you know, that thought process, being open to that, having friends, being asked questions, you know, it makes it a little bit easier to try, but, you know, definitely you go in and, and you don't know what you're getting yourself into, you know, it's like one point, like during the, the experience, I remember, you know, just wanting it to get out of me, like, I got to get this poison out of me, you know, and, 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 you know, you, then you go back into the, to the experience. So it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy because, uh, it's definitely not a fun time, you know, like other, other drugs are a lot funner, um, <laughs> but it truly starts to get into the, the root of the, of the issues that you have. And so, you know, there's other things that people do and, and I haven't tried some of the other stuff, but, um, you know, I haven't heard anyone say that, 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 that they didn't get a lot out of it. So, um, you know, I, I, at first I said I would never do it again. You know, it was one of those like once is enough. Um, uh, I, I think that it'll probably be another, another journey in the future. So would you, I mean, so it shifted you, obviously. I'm Like everything I hear is always, it's kind of like a metaphorical journey, right? Like you're going to see things that are kind of pointing in a certain direction to tell you what you need to do or what insecurities you have or what demons you're trying to fight. Is that kind of like you just came out of it like, I know what to do, it's that simple? Or was there more like, okay, now I have to dig into what I saw? Yeah, so 
there's definitely an integration part. Um, there's definitely a bit of confusion, you know, in terms of how do you integrate and what's going to look like. But for me, uh, my journey was around self-love and the blockages I have around, had around that. And I came out knowing that uh, the, the person, my wife at the time, she had talked about getting married. And I said, I'm never fucking going to do that again, right? I just had almost, I didn't have any belief in like marriage and, you know, statistics. It, it doesn't really help. And so it's just, you know, to me, it was been there, done that, not fucking doing it again. Um, and I came out of that and proposed to her a week later and we were married, I think, I think about a month and a half after that. So, um, you know, it was this realization that, you know, number one, that she truly loved me, right. Being able to feel and experience her love was, you know, I'd been blocking that. I hadn't been recognizing it. So, you know, all of a sudden being able to remove that and it, you know, it was like opening the floodgates and all of a sudden all this water's rushing through it. It was like all this love was rushing through um and i could feel it and it was just like like you know you love this person too why would you not want to spend the rest of your life together you know um you know all this past baggage you know you i had let go of so that was a big that was a big thing for me and but um you know um other experiences that i've you know had mushroom trips and things like that a lot of times you know you got to try to make sense of it all and and you know it, it uh it does help to have you know friends who have gone through those experiences that you can kind of ask questions to because you originally come out and you, you, you know, you, you have all these crazy thoughts, but then you got to integrate back into the real world. So it's not like you can go, I guess you could go off into the mountains and join a, you know, a monastery or something like that. But <laughs> being that I don't have any desire for that, you know, it's a, how do we integrate this with this knowledge, you know, and then it's, oh, and you start to, oh, okay. Like this is, this is what's important. And I think it just takes things deeper. You know, the, we're, we're, we're just energy and we just layered energy over, over, you know, centuries and, you know, being able to dig into that and, and remove some of those stories and beliefs and all those things that you're holding on to, you know, it's just a deeper way to do that. That a lot, I think a lot of times more than anything, when you're in the conscious state, you purposely avoid certain things, you know, and, yeah. and you, you hold on to things based on pleasure, um, sometimes fear of facing it, but there's a lot of things, you know, you, you, you can do that you, you know, that's right or wrong, but you just kind of, you allow those little white lies to creep through because they're not hurting anyone, even though they really are hurting you. I think it, dude, it's hard to even not let those things come back, right? Like even some of the stuff you've been saying during the show, like I've learned in the past from other mentors and stuff, but hearing it again is like, fuck, dude, I kind of let up on that or I, I haven't been focusing on that. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that this is like fresh news to. So I think it's, I think it's golden. Um, what is, I mean, you've been through a ton, man. It's, it's really interesting to hear your story and hear all the different battles you've overcomplished. Um, what are you doing now? Like, what does the business look like and what's the mission? Yeah. So, right. I got a couple of projects, but the main thing I'm working on, what I'm doing right now is just men, one-to-one mentorship. Um, and what I realized was, is that most people, you know, Again, you can't just coach business. So you might show up and you might attract people through that channel. But once you get them on the other side, there's a lot more that you got to deliver. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the only thing that really matters is, is to action, you know, to, to, is to help people get into motion. Um, and everyone's journey is different. And everyone needs a different, you know, a different GPS, essentially. And everyone's going to come up against different battles because people are in different places. And so... Although I enjoy, enjoy group program, uh, programs and coaching and stuff like that, what I realize is that most of the time you don't, you don't, you're just scratching the surface, right? And a lot of times you're giving great information. Sometimes I'm giving some of the best stuff, best stuff I have. But if that person isn't ready for it at that moment in time, it's just wasted. You know, it's just a wasted, uh, wasted hour of their time, wasted hour of my time. 
Um, and so, you know, I decided that, you know, I truly want to create transformation. I truly want to help people, um, you know, get to where they want to get to. And the best way to do that is, is to work one-to-one with them. Um, and so for the, for the moment, that's what, that's what's working really good. But it, a lot of it just comes down to, again, it's just, you know, everybody needs a different map and everybody's a different point and you have to be okay with that. And one of the things it was actually brought to my attention just this week, but it was a, a beautiful gift. Um, I'm working on a new project, uh, with a friend and, uh, we're going to be going and helping some big businesses, uh, you know, really understand emotional intelligence and, um, understand how to communicate with their, with their team and to really create alignment and, you know, get everybody on the same page so that they can grow. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of frustration sometimes about people not being where they need to be. You know, it's like, I don't get it. Like, you know, I've given them everything they need and they just don't seem to take that. They don't seem to do what, and what I, what, what they was pointing out to me is that I was in spiritual competition, meaning that I was trying to speed someone's process up, right? They're on their own journey and I'm trying to speed that process up and getting frustrated when they don't versus appreciating that it's part of the journey and it might take someone so i could teach someone something and a month later it could transform their life or i could teach someone something and it won't be a year and a half till it sinks in and you just have to yeah as a as a coach or a mentor you have to have the patience to understand that you know each person is a different place and each person needs something different and so i think a lot of like uh you know obviously you've worked in the health field a lot of times clients come in you know they say they want to transform their body and you put them through everyone goes through the same program and some people lose 20 pounds and some people gain weight you know, how does that happen? Well, it's because each person needs something different. And yeah. so I decided I didn't want to run a business like that. I wanted to run a business that got to the root of the issues and, and created a map how to get out of that. So that's what, I'm, that's what I'm in focus on right now. And so far, so good. Who knows? I might get to a point where I'm so overwhelmed that I'll have to figure something else out. But I'm enjoying the process because I'm getting to know people on a deeper level. And I feel like we're having much bigger breakthroughs. Do you find that typically, um, and, and I'm assuming you probably work with, um, I guess I, I shouldn't assume that you work mainly with men, but do you find that there's one area that people seem to get stuck on? I remember working with Steve and we had a group of guys and it almost seemed like 90% of us were blocked or, or like freezing up or not opening up about the exact same type of shit. And that once we did, it was like unlocking Pandora's box and, we, and then everything just kind of blossomed from there. Do you find that with your clients? Um, I, I think that the biggest issue most people have, and this is again, generalization, but it comes back to not feeling like they're enough. You know, they just don't feel like they're enough. They need to learn more. They need to acquire more. They need to, you know, they need to look different. They need to, you know, get this, get that. And, and, and when they get there, then they can do this. And it was a lot of people are living their life in this um, waiting game. Right. Um, and so when, when I'm able to help them to start to see, they have everything they need right now, to like take that first step forward. Um, that's when things begin to change. But I think the, um, the biggest thing a lot of people uh, struggle with is they're, they're, they're keeping up with the Joneses, right? And I think this happens from a very young age. I think it's why we're, society is the way it is, is because you're, you're told what you should and shouldn't do. You're told what success looks like. Um, and so I think a lot of people, they honestly... They're so far from their, their own compass. They're so far from their, like, knowing their intuition, knowing their body feeling, right? They, they, they're just looking for, you know, approval from someone else because they're so confused. And so when you can start to get someone centered, you can start to bring them back to true north. For me, that, that's what made the difference in my life is going, okay, what's important? You know, I moved from 11,000 square foot house in Vegas back to, you know, a 25,000 square foot, uh, 25, square foot house it, uh, sorry, 
2,500 square foot house in San Diego because we moved away from all our friends and family. How does that make sense? You know, just to have a bigger house, just to have yeah. this mansion. You know, we get there and we're like, what's the, what's the point of having this house if we have no one to invite over? You know, we spent our whole life building these relationships and we just left it all for a bigger place. Like, you know, oh shit. So giving that up, coming back to San Diego, getting back to what's important, right? And I think that that's the big, men oftentimes feel like they're the, they have to be the breadwinners. They have to be the champions. They have to be, you know, the, the, the stable one and all of that. And reality is, is that most of the time, it's not what your partner wants, right? Um, and so you, you got to figure that out. And so in essence, I think everyone's unique, but I think ultimately it comes back to that, you know, I'm not enough and I don't deserve this. And I think self-sabotage is a very big thing. Even, even I think it manifests in different ways. Some people build a business and burn it down. Some people have an amazing relationship and go cheat and, and the relationship ends. You know, and same with health, you know, some people get, get in shape and then allow themselves to get really, really fat. So it's about f finding what's sustainable, what you can do long-term and then just, you know, leaning into it and being patient, you know, you, you know, fast results equal, you know, usually disaster on the other side. So yeah. uh, play the long game. It seems to work out a lot better. I think, dude, I think self-sabotage is actually probably one of the most common reasons why people don't get results in anything. I just think that we do it subconsciously and we don't understand why. And like you said many times on the show already, like whatever is the reason behind it is dug so deep that you're just ignoring it. And it takes a lot to try to get it out. And people aren't willing to search for that, yeah. especially guys. I think it's a lonely road, man. You know, like as much as you can find people and groups to be a part of, like ultimately, like it, it, it is a lonely road. And that's why you got to become okay with being, hanging out with yourself. You know, I, not many guys would like go to the movies on their own. They think, oh, I'm a loser. I'm not with anyone. But you got to do stuff like that. You got yeah. to learn to be able to treat yourself, enjoy your company with yourself. Because once you can do that, then you can truly appreciate other people and the relationships you build with them. Um, but I think that that's, you know, I think that's so many people don't like who they are that your know, self-sabotage is inevitable. You know, it's inevitable because it's not who they really are. And again, you got to remember, like, we're humans, right? And most of what we've created is, is artificial. It's not real. It's not, you know, uh, the pictures on your wall you, you got right there. The books behind me. These are things that we buy because they're significant. They mean something. Um, they look good, whatever, but they're not necessities. Uh, you don't need anything on your walls. And so, yeah. you know, we, we've created a world that we live in that is basically consumeristic in terms of we want more, 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 right? We're, we're trained from a very, very young age. We're trained, right? These are beliefs that get deeply ingrained that we don't have enough. So if we don't have enough, how can we ever think we are enough? And so when we do start to get more, there's that, well, I don't deserve this. And a lot of times I've, personally, I'll tell you why I don't deserve this. Shouldn't speak for other people. A lot of times I feel like I don't deserve it. Growing up in school, I got great grades, never fucking tried hard. I just got great grades. I was, I was good. You know, I, I crash studied most of the time, you know, came to America to play basketball. I was really good at fucking basketball. And yeah, I practiced all the time, but it wasn't hard. I enjoyed it. I loved it. So again, I didn't work hard. Like it wasn't what people say hard work is, is suffering, right? Well, I never, I enjoyed it. So I came to America and then got into lifting and I was really fucking strong, you know? And ended up being a world record holder. Now, when I dive into it, I did things that nobody else fucking will do. That's why I became the world record holder. But the reality is it was never hard, right? It was never fucking, like, it wasn't like I woke up in the morning and had to force myself to go to the gym. There was days I didn't want to go, but like, I fucking love getting under the barbell, you know? And I think that, you know, so for me, when you get that world record and then you see, like, you know, I had training partners that worked twice as hard as me. 
And, I, and so then you go, well, you know, these guys are working hard. You know, why do I deserve this? Right? Same in relationships. You have a fucking amazing relationship. And, you know, you, you know but you're an asshole. You're, you're watching porn. You're, you know, talking to other girls. You're, you know, you're, even on Instagram, you're following a bunch of fitness chicks that post pictures of their ass every day. You know? You start to devalue what you have. And you start to want more. You know? And so that's, I think... That is the, bit, the hardest thing is to strip away all of that. And it's funny because Kevin Nations, who was one of my early mentors, he mentored Garrett, mentored Steve, um, you know, a bunch of people we know, myself included. You know, he'd always say, like, the key, like, to, to success is, is taking things away, not adding. It didn't make any sense to me, right? Um, and what he meant was like, the more you simplify, the more you remove things from your life, the freer you are. And so I really got into stoicism. I really got into minimalistic living, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that that, you know, that is, is you start to see what is really fucking important, right? And, and we, we, we're both about to be dads, so we, we've had this conversation. But, you know, people who have children feel, say the same things. And now I truly get it. It's like, you know, you don't fucking matter, like, as soon as you have a kid, like, that's the most fucking important thing in your life, right? Yeah. But, like, but, like, the world is your child, you know? Like, we're here, in my opinion, and this is my belief, right? But, like, my belief is that we're put on this earth to leave it in a better place. And if that means just having, you know, having children and, and carrying on humanity, which is the basic fundamental uh, purpose, then, then you did your job. If that means improving humanity as a whole, you know, dealing these bigger issues... Now you've, now you've created, now you'll live on forever, right? And so you have to choose where you want to be, but ultimately what it comes down to is what is actually important. You know, a Rolex on your wrist, wrist that's not important. The watch tells the time. Now, is it nice? Should you buy it if you can afford it? And, and to, yeah, sure, why not? Like, you know, I've got nothing against a Rolex, um, but, but it ain't going to make you happy, right. right? It's just a representation of something. Same with the car in your driveway. You know, what's the difference between a Kia and a Ferrari? Well, nothing. This is a speed limit. You can't go faster than that without getting pulled over. Now, you might be out of for 10 seconds, but if you want to drive a Ferrari, you could go to a speedway and drive a Ferrari, you know, there for rent. You have access to it. You want to live in a mansion, you can rent a mansion on Airbnb now. We live in a world that you can have whatever you want, right? The, the, the reality is you have to ask yourself what's important, you know, because if you're, if you're chasing and you don't feel like you're enough, then you can, you, you know, you're always going to self-sabotage. Because when you get it, you don't feel like you're worthy of it. You don't feel deserving because it wasn't as hard as it should have been. You know, it should have been much harder. Like, because you're still an asshole. You're still a fuck up. You, you still have the bad thoughts that you had before. So why should you have this now? You haven't changed. You know, you're still that on the inside, maybe on the outside, you created this illusion, but the mind says, you know, I'm, I'm still that person deep down, you know, even though maybe you haven't been that person for years, you're a completely different person. Your mind still knows you were the person of the past, you know? So you have to really, really start digging into, like you said, going back and why are these things in place? Once you start to understand yourself and who you are, then you can begin to forgive yourself. And once you can forgive yourself, now you, you start to raise that ceiling and you, you, the self-sabotage starts to go away because you've forgiven yourself and you allow essentially love into your life, but you allow, you allow to experience life to the fullest without the guilt and the shame. And I think... Guilt and shame is the hardest thing to overcome because, again, you know, through religion, which has been a staple in the world for many, you know, 2,000 years, right? 2,018 yeah. years, religion is a big fucking thing. <laughs> um, like, like that, 
a lot of a lot of preaching and teaching of religion is around sin and guilt and shame and so it's very difficult when that's the world we live in to break through so you just have to start to you know operate backwards and 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 do the opposite of everyone but it's not easy because you do separate yourself from from society the norm you know it's not normal to not watch tv it's not normal to not be on social media it's not normal you know, to not go out and party and drink when you're 20 and to do something else. Like, so you have to be not normal. And that's something you're told from a young age, just blend in, just fit in, just do, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but who do we admire? We admire the freaks. We admire the, like, you know, you look at artists and you look at entertainers and, you know, as a kid entertainers, you know, people who go to theater and dance, like they get made fun of. And then here they are, rich, some of the you know, wealthiest people in the world, you know, bring us all our entertainment. We spend all our time watching the people we used to want to pick on and bully. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's because they followed, they followed their heart and they ignored the world and then they get to do that. And we admire that. So, as, you know, when you're young, you're told not to admire it. And then when you're old, it's the one thing, you know, you're spending, you know, $1,000 for a painting to go on the wall. But when you're a kid, it's like, don't, don't be an artist. You'll never make any money. You know, it's, yeah. you know, it's so crazy. So you got to just deconstruct it. And again, when you, when you, when you look into it, you start to see things and, you know, you start to think you're crazy a little bit sometimes, but ultimately <laughs> you're like, oh, it's just a game. You know, it's just, it's just a game. Life is a game. It's a sport, you know, and you get to hire a coach and be an athlete, you know, of life. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, just the way you put that last bit is just nuts. And I think people can just soak that up alone and it'll unlock some crazy doors, dude. I love this. I could probably go on for days in this, but um, I'm going to respect your time. I got one question left. This is like a personality question I always do for everybody at the end of the show. So you're flying to Japan. I want to say it's like 13 plus hours and you have two empty seats right next to you. You're in the middle. You can choose anybody to sit next to you alive or dead, but they cannot be friends or family who's sitting next to you. You know, I would honestly, I would, I would uh, probably put Richard Branson next to me and, you know, I, I got to meet Richard um, before, but he is out of everyone I've met, you know, I've met a couple of billionaires now and, and that's fine. I met, you know, a lot of millionaires, um, but I, everyone I've met, I think he is the happiest, most genuine person I know who truly seems to have it all. You know, when it, when it comes to having it all, he's, got an amazing relationship with his family. You know, he's he business through the roof. He's healthy. You know, he's like, I think almost 70 now. And he's, you know, he still, you know, runs around the island and stuff like that. And, and he's making a huge difference in the world. You know, he's yeah. tackling issues. So just to spend time with him and just to, you know, listen to him, because I think that, you know, there's age brings wisdom and, you know, the journey he's gone through to get there is, is phenomenal. And I think that, I think I could hang out with him all the time and learn something every time. So that's who I would pick because to me that that's the guy that ha truly has it all. He looks like one of the most interesting dudes out there, man. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Um, where can everybody, I mean, do you have a site? I know you're on Instagram. Where do you have all your stuff where people can find you? I know there's a lot of fitness professionals that could use some serious coaching like this. Yeah. I mean, ajrobbins.com is the site. And uh, Facebook.com slash AJ Roberts, Instagram.com AJ Roberts. That's about all only places I hang out, really. <laughs> Keep it simple, man. Just his name. Well, dude, thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. That is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show with AJ. I know I really enjoy it every time I get to sit down and have a conversation with him. I have a few things I want to cover with you guys before you go. The reason I love this podcast with AJ so much 
is simply because he is a guy who is real. He has been through a lot. He's very successful and he's done so many things across the board from personal development to physical training, um, experienced a ton of stuff, traveled. He's done so much cool shit and he's been through a lot of things in his life. And he is one of the guys that comes out and just keeps it real and tells us what it is actually behind the scenes, right? What's behind the curtain and what actually goes on in the daily life of an entrepreneur who is struggling with those things. And I don't think enough people talk about this stuff. With that being said, I want to hear from you guys. Shoot us an email at info at boomboomperformance.com and let us know exactly who you want on the show. I will reach out to them and I will do my best to get them on the show. Usually people are pretty open about it and I know a lot of people in the industry, so I should be able to get most people. Now, if you want Mark Wahlberg on the show, unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen yet. I'm working on it, but you guys get what I mean. Shoot us an email at info at boomboomformist.com and tell us exactly what you want to hear about and who you want to hear on the show. The second thing I wanted to mention is to please leave me a five-star rating and review. Guys, this is exactly how I allow this show to grow and I continue to grow it is by getting feedback, getting ratings, getting reviews, and letting this, the, the podcast grow inside the iTunes charts. When, when we grow and we rise in the iTunes charts... It allows us to invest more time, energy, and money to make this podcast better for you and deliver more free, valuable content. So please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you're already subscribed but haven't yet done so, you will still have to search the podcast under iTunes library. The last thing I want to mention is my program, 16 Weeks to Summer Shred. We have two spots available possibly one by the time you hear this because we are we are reaching out to people that have already applied i haven't posted it on any social media um, and we've already filled up those spots almost so we have a couple spots left and i want to give you guys an opportunity so there is a link in the show notes and it is an application the 16-week program comes with everything at a very exclusive rate so you're literally going to save 30 percent on coaching with me for 16 weeks which is something i very rarely ever do i think i've done one special in the last year and a half so this is something that doesn't come very often but i want to do something cool going into the summer it's a training program that i've created it's customized individualized nutrition it's coaching with me 24 7 and i am going to be doing it with you yes i am cutting for the summer because it's time to get lean it is going to be here faster than we know it so if you want to apply for 16 weeks shredded please kick click the link in the show notes apply now tori will reach out to you my assistant and she will be the one getting in touch with you to get you going thank you guys so much for listening catch you next time